0: What if we're multitasking our beliefs? What if some of our theology is more mixed than the mixed salad? Yeah, I'm talking to some of y'all. I know that YouTube theology, though, does mess you up, doesn't it? But what if we stop that? What if you fully committed on focusing on one thing? Follow Jesus. Obey him. I promise you, you will see results. Some of us are only half committed to Jesus and obeying halfway to his commandments. So we only see half the results and then complain that it doesn't work. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Andrew Roman Show. I'm so glad that you tuned in. I just want to say welcome to all of our new listeners. We've had a lot of new followers on the Andrew Roman Show page on Instagram. If you haven't yet, this is your sign to go follow the page. There's daily content there, little clips, little things that you can share and enjoy. And if you haven't already, take a little moment, subscribe on The Andrew Roman Show on YouTube. And while you're there, hit the notification bell and review on podcasts. Do all your part. Uh, That way, even more people can enjoy the show. So we've made it to par numero tres. Numba? Numa? Numa? numa, I think it's numa numadrai. Numero tres. Uh, I'm kind of running out of languages here. I, I forgot my Japanese numbers. It's like, san oh there you go boom well memory just kicks in I think so if you're Japanese and you know Japanese well please correct me put it in the comments in the you know in Japanese so I can't understand it uh, but we've made it we made it to part three of Jesus is And man, this series has been deep. I mean, we don't waste time. We've talked about the reality of Jesus actually being alive in, in what that looks like for our lives and how it should affect our daily lives and our faith. We also talked about the reality that Jesus is closer than you think. You maybe thought he's been far away, or maybe you thought that the whole idea that Jesus is near is a little bit cheesy. Maybe it's anthropomorphism. Dang, I said it right this time. Maybe it's that. But we talked about the reality that all throughout the Bible, Jesus is, in fact, near, and he will always will be as he has always been. Well, today is part number three. Yo, we are not playing around. I got my t shirt. This is how special this episode is. I got a specific t shirt with the title of this episode and with the motto. What's the motto? Jesus is worth following. That's right. Jesus is worth following. My passion is to bring you the very best. This series started with God really working in me first, revealing these things to me in a personal way where it convicted me, it required me to change and take my faith deeper. Well, today I wanna discuss this truth with you. Jesus is worth following. I'll say that one more time, Jesus is worth following. We've talked about the fact that millions of people sing about this person called Jesus. Every Sunday they write love songs about him, they travel, and they talk about him, they preach about him. All those are very nice things, but let's get serious. What about those who are being persecuted for following him, for following this man called Jesus? I mean, it's a whole different thing writing a love song about him and then actually putting your life in danger because you follow him. Every day, men, women, and children are being tortured and persecuted many martyred because why they follow jesus what's wrong with following jesus and if it gets you martyred is it worth it if it gets you tortured and persecuted is it worth following jesus but why are they being treated this way it's because they give their worship to jesus You see, the problem is not that they think that Jesus was just a good teacher or just another prophet. It's that they uniquely and only worship Jesus and no one else. Now that makes the devil mad. You see, the devil doesn't hate people worshiping idols. In fact, he loves that because every idol is Satan's chance to rob God of his due praise. But why does he hate that people worship Jesus? Let me give you a little bit of a history lesson. And I love researching this. You see, ancient Rome was a polytheist society. Polytheist meaning they believed in many beings, many deities, very much like the Greeks, very much like the Egyptians, very much like the Mesopotamians. I mean, you Utah, all throughout history, basically every, every civilization, except the Jews, have believed in just so many deities. Everyone worshiped several gods at the same time because there wasn't this only one God who was ultimately above all without any flaws or without any weaknesses. This was similar, like I mentioned, of most ancient civilizations. You see, you have Hathor for the Egyptians or Aphrodite, as you've maybe heard, for the Greeks, or Venus, for the Romans. If you were a single person, whether an Egyptian, a Roman, or a Greek, you would be praying to this goddess if you were looking for love. And at the same time, you are praying to some other God for protection and another God for provision and blah, 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 because there was no God that was the one and only. But Jesus claiming to be the one and only God dethrones every so-called God of their place of worship because there's only room for one. It's kind of like truth. Truth, by definition, is exclusive If it's true, that means something else is a lie. See, we live in a pluralistic society. We live where everything can be true. But as I so many times quote from The Fiddler on the Roof, when someone looks at the newspaper and they're both telling different stories and one guy says, you are right. He looks at the other guy saying, you are right. You can't both be right. Well, he's right about that. Unfortunately, we think that everyone can be right, that there's so many thrones and everyone can take whatever throne that they want. But when Jesus takes his, there's only room for one. This is what upsets our, quote unquote, tolerant culture about Jesus. You see, John chapter 14, verse 6, this is what he said. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. She... Now this is the most politically incorrect statement in history. I put my bet on that. Did you hear that? Did you hear the, oh man, is he egoistic? Is he selfish? How dare, really, the nerve of Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, excuse me, no one. He didn't say a few or those who believe. No, no, no one comes to the Father except through him. So him saying, I am the way, means that no other roads lead to the mountain. You've probably heard the phrase, you know, all roads lead to the mountain or all rivers lead to the sea. But when he says that all, that he's the truth, it means that if you reject him, you accept the lie. When he says he's the life, means that outside of him is death, not life, death. When he says no one goes to the Father except through me, He didn't say, except through me, and in addition to following your heart, connecting with your inner light, following the ways of the Eastern gurus, Jesus is not a road sign on your way to heaven. He's not someone who points you to the way. He is the way. Now, that's a controversial statement. I get it because it's exclusive. It's intolerant. Here's the thing about intolerance. We should be tolerant of people in a way. You know, God is kind of intolerant of something very specific. And it was actually his intolerance that saved us. What? What are you saying, Andrew? His intolerance saved you and it saved me because he was so intolerant about sin that he dealt with it. You probably never thought about that, right? I know I didn't until I read a book about it. God, it was so intolerant about sin that he dealt with it. If he was so tolerant about you and me, we both go to hell without a chance to avoid it. However, God was intolerant to sin. He loves us so much that he wanted to provide a way to rescue us. You see, when Jesus said that he's the way, the life, in the truth, he gave no room for anybody else. Our culture is alike that of ancient Rome believe in everything but Jesus. You see, the Romans persecuted the Christians not because they just believed, they happened to believe in a deity that they didn't know. It was that they only believed in this one deity and then said that every other deity was not even a deity and they were false gods. How dare they? How dare they say that? Our culture is very much like that. Believe in everything but Jesus. Have you noticed that? It was it was made apparent when Seth Small, the kicker of the Texas A&M, kicked the winning point against Alabama. Sorry, Alabama. If you're an Alabama fan, you're probably you're you're going to stop listening to this podcast just because I I reminded you of that game. I know. But when Seth Small kicked the winning point for Texas A&M uh, against Alabama, he said when he was interviewed about that specific moment, he said this quote: "It was probably the third best moment of my life, right after I accepted Jesus into my heart as my true Lord and Savior, and then after getting married to my wife this summer," Small said this after the game I'd rank this at number three so number one was accepting Jesus number two was getting married number three was this amazing moment of kicking the winning point now what happened when the news outlet reported it they left something out they only said that his biggest highlight was him getting married and kicking the point they left out the part about Jesus surprising not really but why is it only about Jesus though I mean, you've never never heard, everyone's very tolerant about the Muslim faith. I mean, a Muslim can say whatever he wants, and no one has a problem. Do you understand that if a Muslim also believes everyone else is wrong, did you know that? A true Muslim believes that the Islam faith is the only way to God, is the only way to Allah, and believes everyone else is wrong. Yet everyone doesn't think of the Muslims as intolerant. This is nothing against Islam, whatsoever, I have a heart for you, and I believe that that you should receive Jesus and that he will reveal himself to you, and there's much hope. If if you're a Muslim right now, you have a Muslim friend, and you want to reach out to them, one of the best ways, re, read this book called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's going to really, really revolutionize the way that you think um, and really give you a heart to to minister to someone who who believes in Islam. But this culture is very much like an ideological buffet. Pick anything to your taste. Here we have a little bit secularism. We have a little universalism, a little bit of Christianity over here, a little critical theory here, and pick on your plate whatever you'd like. That's what we tell people. And there we go, especially when you're young and you go to college and you, maybe you, you, you spent all day on in Instagram and TikTok, and everyone's giving you something to eat. Oh, well, my gender, let me explain to you what pantheo, something, something gender is. And you're like, oh, okay, let me write that down. Let me add that to my to my plate in the buffet of ideologies. But why can't you just add Jesus to that plate as well? Right? Because like, Andrew, what's the problem? Okay, Jesus is worth following. Great. I'll follow him and everyone else. Like, Why can't I just follow him and everyone else? Why can't he just be part of the buffet? Why can't it just be critical theory? And and why can't I just be a Christian who 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 prays and who chants? Oh, did I did I hit did I hit on something? I remember this conversation that was in an airplane one time. Next, sitting next to a lady who was reading a book with an interesting title. It said, "My Baptist Preacher's Buddhist Teacher." I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." And we started a conversation. She says she was a Christian, she went to a pretty prominent church, and she said, oh, I love Jesus, absolutely, but she was reading this book about med- Eastern meditation and the way that it would help you, and then she was also a member of, it was a certain acronym, but basically, it's what I call a hijack belief. It's a belief that hijacks different religions and says, hey, you can still be a Christian, I'm just adding to your faith, so go ahead and chant, go ahead and believe in universalism, go ahead and believe that all ways lead you to heaven, but you can still be a Christian, don't worry about it, it doesn't mess up anything. That's a hijacked belief. And unfortunately, as Christians, we have accepted a lot of beliefs from the world and from secularism, from universalism, from new age, from even pantheism. And we're over here adding all things to our place when Jesus says, "Um, I'm sorry, there's room for one, only one. But you might ask yourself, why can't I be a Christian who chants? Why can't I be a Christian who, I say I love Jesus, but who also practices Eastern meditation? A Christian allow, like, why can't I be a Christian who allows the world to dictate my beliefs on sex, race, identity? You named the topic. Here's why. Because saying yes to Jesus is saying no to everyone else. Jesus is not an add-on to your life. He is who you build your life on. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is not an add-on to your life. He's not just a little thing that you hang around your neck, a little cross to add to your fashion. No, he is who you build your life on. Our relationship to Jesus in the Bible is painted as a marriage. I don't know if you've noticed that. We talk about the bride of Christ a lot, and especially as a dude that's been a little bit hard, right, to understand. You're like, wait a second, I'm a bride? Bro, that's a manly bride that I am. No, no, okay, okay. Let's take a couple steps back. Or the bride of Christ. Now, a bride—I'm going to say this—and might sound harsh, but what does a bride do? A bride saves herself, as the groom does, for each other, right? She—the bride doesn't go sleeping around with everybody before her wedding. In the vows, they say yes to each other in quote forsaking all others. It's the same way with Jesus. Unfortunately, we've said yes to Jesus and yes to everyone else, which basically means. No to Jesus. Let let me, come here, come close, come close. If you're not listening, listen closely. Saying yes to Jesus is saying no to everyone else. Saying yes to everyone else is saying no to Jesus. Because Jesus is exclusive, but he's inclusive. What do I mean by that? Jesus says, hey, uh, the way is exclusive. Meaning there's one way, there's one door. Yet it's inclusive because everyone's invited. That's the most amazing thing. I love that about the message of Jesus. People say, oh, Christians are so intolerant. They're so exclusive. What are you talking about? Like, it's not like the way is like you have to pay a high price. It's not like you have to be a certain race. It's not like you have to uh, have a so- s- certain socioeconomic status to be a Christian. What? No, Jesus invited everybody. His 12 disciples from were from all walks of life. His apostles later with Paul and everyone. They're from all walks of life, all social economic status, all different races, all different languages. And Jesus says, you're all invited. I am the door. Just take the one door. But it upsets people. Believe in everyone but Jesus. Now, you might be saying, Andrew, look, why not Why not Islam? Why not Hinduism? Why not whatever it is? Why not just having a good heart? Why is that not enough? Like, what's the big deal with just believing in Jesus? Like, why is that such a big deal? Let me break it down for you. Let, let's let's take a, a couple steps back. Why is Jesus worth following? Well, it all depends if he is who he says he is. As we saw previously, believing in a higher being or a higher power is, is well, not hard. Everyone believes in some type of ethereal force at some point. And if they don't, they usually believe in ghosts and then and they be, usually believe in demons, which that tells you they believe in some higher powers, right? Well, that's not hard, especially with all the evidence that we have at the beginning of the universe and the universe needs a cause and blah, blah, blah. We did a whole episode on that, on proving God's existence. Now, Then you have to ask yourself, okay, let's say, granted, a higher being exists, a higher power, we don't know if he's personal or not, but has this higher power or higher being ever communicated with humans? Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he, as as a deist would believe, maybe he said he created the world, set it on the clock, and just left and drank some coffee. I don't know. Maybe he did that. But ask yourself, has his higher being ever communicated with humans? Many religions say, well, yes. Islam, for example, says that Allah has communicated to his creation through the Quran. And we have the, the one who presented us the Quran was the Prophet Muhammad. Others say that, well... It's not necessarily like a higher personal being, but you do have to look inside you to connect with that higher energy, with that higher power, which you know comes from Hinduism and the Atman and all that liberation um, stuff that we, we can t- touch on a different topic. Um, it, and then they say, well, it all takes more of nothing, right? Just empty your mind and connect. Judaism, uh, for example, believes that God is revealed through the Torah, right? More specifically, the Tanakh. That is the Torah, the Niveim the Ketuvim, which it's the the book of the prophets, the writings, and in the law, right? The law of Moses, the four, the first four books of the Bible. In Christianity, says yes, and ultimately, as Hebrews one two says, that ultimately He is revealed. God is revealed through His Son, Jesus, the very image of God. So it all boils down to Jesus, because if you're serious about finding meaning if you're serious about finding ultimate reality if you will it all comes down to Jesus Judaism says it's only through you know the Tanakh the Torah Islam says it's through the Quran but then Jesus says I am the only way I mean at least you got to give him a chance to prove himself maybe he's crazy right theres there's the 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 trifecta of questions is he Lord is he a lunatic right? or is he a liar? Which, which which one is he? Is Jesus just lying and he's trying to get attention? Is he just kind of a little bit of lunatic and he he truly believes he's got it but he isn't? Or is he in fact Lord? It all boils down to this person called Jesus Christ. Is he who he claimed to be? Because if he is, he's worth everything. If he truly is the life he truly is the way if he truly is the truth then he is worth everything he's worth following he is the treasure you give everything for he is what paul said the life he said to live is christ and to die is gain but i don't think we truly understand that in in our culture because our culture is to live is me and to die is the end that's the culture says, well, I just kind of live for myself, and if Christ makes me feel better and and helps me love myself, then sure, I'll add him to the equation. But we don't really say to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if Jesus is truly the person he claims to be, If he resurrected, that's what Paul says. I love this. I've said this before in this episode. Christianity is the most disprovable religion in the world. Just show the body, prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead or he wasn't who he claimed to be. And congratulations, we're all fools here. I've done this podcast for nothing. It's a motivational talk more than anything to do with eternal life and talking about the gospel if Jesus never rose from the dead. But did he? And I did a whole series, by the way, P.S. Public Service Announcement. P.S.A., I guess, Public Service Announcement. Um, I did a whole series on this early on in the podcast. You can catch it on YouTube. It's a a whole playlist where we talked about the existence of God. We talked about who Jesus claimed um, he was, and then they prove it about the resurrection. And that is a historical fact. So I think that you would really enjoy that. Uh, So look at that, and the most amazing thing is that Jesus, you can experience him today because he is alive. So if he is who he claimed to be, then I think he's worth following, (laughs) because that means he answers everything. He answers what eternal life is about. He answers what ultimate reality is about. He changes everything, that there's life after death, that it's not, you, you don't have to believe in naturalism, that all we see is all that there is. But I feel like it goes deeper than that. One of the reasons we have trouble committing ourselves fully to Jesus is because maybe we've been disappointed. Maybe you went to church and you got hurt. You got hurt by someone saying that they were a Christian. Or you tried believing, but then something bad happened to you that you just couldn't understand. How could God allow this, you ask yourself. Or you've seen Christians who are just not a good representation of Christ and, well, let's be honest, have been hypocrites. I also think it goes even deeper than that. I think we just have to stop being spiritual multitaskers. It has been proven that multitasking doesn't work. I know I know, you believe that you could hold a coffee, drink a coffee, post your Instagram, and drive and eat a bowl of cereal at the same time, and you were fantastic at it. Reality check, you probably are just stuck at, at a lot of things. That's what happens to me when I try to multitask. But what if we're multitasking with our beliefs? We switch so often, saying we believe in something, living a different way. I believe in this and this and this and this. And we're trying to handle so many different lives, so many different identities, so many different um, masks that we put on to try to prove ourselves to be someone that we're actually not. What if we're multitasking our beliefs? What if some of our theology is more mixed than the mixed salad? Yeah, I'm talking to some of y'all. I know that YouTube theology, though, it does mess you up, doesn't it? But what if we stop that? What if you fully committed on focusing on one thing? Follow Jesus. Obey him. I promise you, you will see results. Some of us are only half committed to Jesus and obeying halfway to his commandments. So we only see half the results and then complain that it doesn't work. Is that you? I'll say that again. Some of us are just half committed to Jesus, and then we obey halfway, and then we only get half results. We only see our life change a little bit, and then we go back to our sins because we don't fully obey Him, and now we complain that it doesn't work. We have to go with complete obedience. One thing I focus—that's what—that's what Paul said. One thing I focus, not two, not three, not four, because that's called vision. Division is when you got two things going on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, your life is very divided because you got two visions going on. You got to focus on one thing. You want to hear God, focus on God. You want to follow Jesus, focus on Jesus. Your eyes will determine how well you listen. So keep your eyes on God. If Jesus is who he is, which in fact he proved to be, then he is the way, the truth, and the life, and it starts today. Look, I understand that maybe this can be hard to sometimes take in. Because maybe you've lived a certain way and now you're challenged to go deeper. Because if we would only know who Jesus is, we wouldn't give him a cold shoulder. We wouldn't run to anyone else to fulfill us. In fact, John four ten, Jesus replied to the Samaritan woman who was asking if Jesus needed a drink. And he said, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Forsake all others and say yes to Jesus. Because Jesus is worth following. We'll see you in the next episode of The Andrew Amat Show.